We are very pleased to inform you that your name has been added to the Dean's List for this term. You are among a very select group of students, and as a result, the Dean of Leadership Development has some very valuable information he would like to share with you. We applaud you and extend our congratulations to your family. Keep up the good work. This is The Dean's List. Welcome back to The Dean's List. My name is Dean DeGora. I'm currently a pastor at Jesus Culture Sacramento. And before we jumped into the podcast today, I wanted to share a little bit about what this podcast uh, is about and why I'm even doing it. Uh, The Dean's List used to be a segment on the Jesus Culture Leadership Podcast, which I still help produce and I participate in. I interview Banning Leapshire once a month on the one-on-ones and uh, am frequently a guest on there as well. Um, But on the Dean's List, on the JCLP, which is the Jesus Culture Leadership Podcast, I would highlight influencers, bloggers, podcasters, and the like. And we recently decided to change up the format And uh, I had so much fun interviewing people, I asked if I could take the Dean's List segment and create my own podcast instead of just discontinuing it. Uh, Permission was granted, and so here I am. I wanted to give you a little context, uh, though, where I'm headed with this podcast, hoping that you'll share it with your friends, your church, the people you do life with. Um, I'm an encourager of people, and so that's what I really want this podcast to be all about. I'm realizing that when it comes to the topic of Christian leadership, it's really a saturated space. Um, I'm a blogger, and I blog a lot about leadership on my blog at deandagora.com, but I've noticed when I veer from the topic of leadership— Um, to the topic of Christian living, I get a lot more traffic, I get a lot more response, I get a lot more comments, and I think it's a lot more helpful to my community or to my audience. So the Dean's List is going to be focused on Christian living, not necessarily Christians leading. Doesn't mean we won't cover leadership, but my focus is going to be Christians living this walk out. I have a high value for leadership, But I'm going to leave that to the Craig Rochelle's and the Andy Stanley's of the world um, because there's so much great content out there on leadership and so many great leadership podcasts that I encourage you to get uh, to download. Um, I subscribe to many of them, Entree Leadership, Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, Andy Stanley, Craig Rochelle, the Jesus Culture Leadership Podcast. These are all great. Um, But I personally wanted to focus on Christian living and what it looks like to be a Christ follower, a believer, your average church attender living out the gospel. I'm a list guy. I like the one, two, threes. And so on the Dean's List, I'm going to be interviewing friends of mine and discussing practically uh, how how do we live out our Christianity and what does that look like for the average believer, the average church attender, and how can we become more like Jesus as we follow him together on our journeys. So with that, I'm excited to introduce to you my friend Andrew Mason. He's a small groups pastor, husband, father of two young boys. He's a real ordinary guy, a great friend of mine. He is also the NorCal regional leader of the small group network, and he leads a Sacramento huddle where he gathers small group leaders from all over Northern California on a regular basis. Andrew has a huge heart for discipleship uh, within small groups. And so I wanted to jump into our conversation with him about this topic. And the topic is this, 
the misconceptions and myths believers have about small groups. I've been doing small groups for a long, long time, and uh, you know, we have different expectations, and we're going to talk about, you know, how do we get plugged in? How do we get connected? What do we have to overcome as believers to experience this thing that we're, that's really become a buzzword in the body of Christ, and that is this thing called community. So let's uh, tune in to my conversation that I had with Andrew. I am excited today to have uh, Andrew Mason with us here on the Dean's List. Andrew is the small groups pastor of Real Life Church, a family of churches in Northern California, where he oversees small groups and assimilation. He's also the founder of an incredible resource called smallgroupchurches.com. It's an online community dedicated to resourcing small group churches and small group leaders. And he's also had a lot of articles uh, featured on sites like churchleaders.com, the Joel Comiskey Group, and he's been published in the Christian Standard Magazine. Andrew, welcome to the Dean's List. Hi, Dean. Thanks for having me on, man. It's great to be here. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing. Well, yeah, I got uh, a beautiful wife. We're going to be celebrating 10 years uh, next year. It's a decade. Uh, Yeah, it's been a decade. So her name's Camille. And we got two boys, uh, just one just turned four, the other one's 18 months old. They keep us busy. It's the tail wagging the dog. So, um, yeah, we're out here in Sacramento at Real Life Church with uh, Pastor Scott and Karen Hagen, and uh, we, we are just enjoying the journey. Uh, what are some of the, the, the projects, small group things that you're doing at Real Life Church before we dive into our conversation today? Yeah, one of the things I'm really passionate about is um, basically what happens after the weekend service for believers. Um, And so I'm really passionate about more than anything is spiritual growth and personal development and spiritual formation, all those things. And so that covers a lot of areas. So, um, you know, I'm over membership. You know, uh, you know how we how we get to know new guests, uh, helping people who've just made a decision for Christ uh, get solidified on that on that new faith that they've they've just expressed, as well as discipleship and group life and leadership development. So, um, so, so really trying to build all those you know all those resources, all those opportunities after the weekend service ends. So you're trying to get people plugged in, um, take them from point A to point B, and so on and so forth, and you know really get them on their journey uh, with Christ. That's exactly what I, I want to talk to you about. Um, you know, there's a lot of myths, especially when it comes to small groups, um, from the perspective of someone who's attending your church, who has uh, an expectation of getting connected when they come. Uh, what are some of the misconceptions and myths you've witnessed firsthand as you talk to people about, quote-unquote, getting plugged in to small groups? Yeah, I'd say uh, a couple of them. You know, some people, they, they see it as kind of this, this man-made program, you know, and so like, oh, it's just a program. That might be for some people, but that's not for me. And, um, you know, and, and I would just remind people that there's, there's a lot of things we do that we think are just purely spiritual and, and have no 
concept of a program that are programs too. I mean, God is moving in our weekend services, but but we, we usually have a worship set. We usually have, you know, some idea of what's going to be preached. The preacher has some idea of what's going to be preached. Um, there is programming built into our services where God moves. Um, so so that that's, that's a myth that I, I hit a lot. The other one is, you know, people, well, I've, I've had a bad experience. You know, I went to one. It was weird. Um, it was a lot of gossip. It was clicky. I've never been to a weird small group ever. Yeah. I've never been to a weird small group. And I, I would just say, obviously, you know, you know, I'm not here to defend, to defend any, any, you know, bad experience, but we don't use that line of thinking with a lot of other things. You know, I think if you've been a Christian for, for more than five years, I think we've all been a part of a, of a weird church service or a weird preacher or a weird worship leader. Um, and when we don't abandon, we don't abandon everything just because we had a weird experience. And so, I, you know, it's important to remember that the greatest small group leader ever was a guy named Jesus. Uh, that's really <laughs> important to remember um, as you're talking about this whole idea of small groups. I want to go back to that first myth that you mentioned. Um, and what I hear you saying is that small groups um, aren't, aren't just an option on the menu of programs and services that a church provides. What I hear you saying is that small groups are really maybe the, the, the pulse or the, or the heartbeat, or should be the heartbeat of a church. Can you kind of help differentiate the difference between, like, you know, an optional small group or, or someone that should actually, hey, this is a part of what we do? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, when I look at discipleship and, and we're trying to kind of architect or engineer our church for discipleship, uh, obviously, I don't think small groups takes care of every facet of discipleship. I think that would be naive. Uh, I would be a very biased small group pastor saying, yeah, just go to small group. That takes care of everything. Uh, but I do believe it does the heavy lifting. I do believe it can cover anywhere from 60 to 80 percent of discipleship in a church's life. Um, so we have other ministries, we have other resources outside of small groups, but but as far as helping uh, people stay continually, um, you know, growing, you know, creating that Acts 2.42 lifestyle is what I'm after. When I look at Acts 2.42, continually devoted to the, the apostles teaching, the breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer, I say, you know, group life can can be the heavy lifter for that. And it really needs to be something that a believer is praying about and thinking about if they, they don't currently have that dynamic in their life. We hear a lot of people say different things about small groups. A lot of times, uh, as you mentioned earlier, based on their experiences, things that lower expectations, others that have real high expectations. What are some realistic expectations of what the average person um, should be able to walk into an experience in a healthy small group. What are some of those realistic expectations? You mentioned 60 to 80% of discipleship. Um, it's possible to, to hit, hit on that. What are some of the, what is some of that 60 to 80% of, of something people could experience? Yeah, I, I think, you know, and this isn't a big wrong move. So I'm not, I'm not going to get extreme here just so I, I sound edgy. And I sound like, you know, I'll uh -huh. just be edgy, man. Just be edgy. <laughs> but I do think there are times when we when we promote group life to a church, to our churches. I think sometimes we overemphasize 
this whole idea of in-depth relationship, friendship, and, you know, I'm going to go to a small group and I'm going to find my bestie. I'm going to find my future bestie when I go to a small group. And so people go to a small group for the first time and they look around the room and they go, I'm not going to find my best friend in this group. I don't even know if I like these people, you know? <laughs> and, and so we put a lot of pressure on something so fragile and something that needs time to develop and grow. Do I think you can form deep, meaningful relationships in a small group over time? A hundred percent. I think it's possible. Um, should that, should that be the thing that we really anchor people's focus on when they're coming into that environment? No, I, I don't think so. I think what we need to be encouraging people to do is we need to be encouraging them to, to get pointed to other people in the body of Christ. So much of church is pointed at the preacher or the worship leader or the person on stage. So much of culture is pointed at the individual, what I want, my dream, my destiny, my priorities, my goals. And the body of Christ is about loving one another. And so we need to we need to encourage people to go to their group to grow in becoming a contributor to the body of Christ. You know, and if you go and say, you know, I'm going to bring a bag of chips or you know what, I'm, I'm going to participate in the discussion, not take over the discussion, but I'm going to participate in the discussion. I'm going to participate in the prayer time. I'm going to contribute to others. If we go with that mindset, I, I think we're, we're getting a lot, a lot healthier uh, expectations that this is a way for me to grow in the body of Christ. Man, that is so good. Um, you're basically saying, you know, don't go to a small group um, looking for what you can get out of it, but maybe go to a small group looking uh, looking for how you can contribute, how you can give, how you can, you know, be something that someone else needs rather than just meeting your needs. Absolutely. I think it's the Christian version of the word growth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes, we want you to grow, but but that, that looks different than, than what we always say. Yeah, I want to grow. Well, yeah, you want you know a lot of stuff done for you, but Christian growth is learning how to have more inside of you to to, to bring uh, to to a community of people. Hey, I want to give you just a couple of uh, lists of expectations, and I just want you to respond. I'm going to first give you some low expectations that I've experienced as a small groups pastor, as a small group leader. Uh, as one who has a huge passion for small groups, and just get your response of how you might help uh, a person, you know, overcome these these thoughts or these myths, so to speak. Things like, I was w in a small group once, the emphasis being on once. Small groups aren't for me. Uh, I was hurt in a small group. Um, I can't connect. What are some ways, uh, if people are struggling with those types of things, what are some ways they could uh, overcome their low expectations? Yeah, I think saying small groups aren't for me. You know, I would like to know how you're pursuing Jesus's command on all believers to, to be a disciple and make disciples. You know, if small groups aren't for you, you know, what, what, is, what is the process in your life on, on, a, on a routine basis where you're where you're responding to the Great Commission, either in growing and being a disciple or making disciples. Because I, I believe someone can actually make disciples being in a group. You don't have to lead a group to make disciples. If you're involved in a group, I, I think you're helping to contribute to the mission of making disciples. Yeah, I was hurt in a small group. Um, again, I would go back to we, we can't use 
Um, we, we have to be able to, to move past our disappointments. We have to be able to move past bad experiences in every arena of Christianity. Small group can't be the exception uh, to that rule. Um, I can't connect. Um, it is possible. I'm not saying it's impossible. I don't want to give the insensitive answer that, oh, you're just not trying hard enough. But, but I would want to know how much effort have you put into it? Because I think in the American church that, that we have a lot of um, lazy habits relationally mm. of walking in to service and walking out. And we're not putting the effort forth to, to find out what the opportunities are, to introduce ourselves, to, to meet people. Um, I do everything I can to eliminate those excuses in what we do uh, and to create those opportunities. But if someone doesn't want to connect, if someone doesn't want to put the effort in, there's a good chance they're not going to get connected. Have you found uh, this? This has been a little bit of my experience. Um, I've been at churches where you know over sixty, over sixty percent of the people were in a small group. We had tons of small groups uh, for people to jump into, and yet still had people saying they couldn't get connected. Why do you think that is? I know I know you touched on it, but why do you think that is? I know we're uh, you you mentioned we're lazy relationally, um, but but what do you think what do you think the answer to that is maybe that's the better question yeah i think a lot of people are busy and um you know when they say well i, I just can't connect a lot of them don't really how busy they don't realize how busy they are in life and so there is no way the my wife and i we, we have small group tonight as we're recording this the, our group marks our life i mean there there are times maybe we'll postpone a week here and there but all, most of the time, we're planning around our group. We're, we're carving out vacations. You know, uh, my day off is Friday. And so we've decided to make our group um, on, on Thursday night. So I can't leave town Thursday night for early vacation if I want to have small group on Thursday night. And so those are decisions we make that um, I don't think people realize, you know, if you want to grow as a disciple of Christ, you want to be a uh, this flourishing part of the body of Christ, it's going to have to mark your life. It's going to have to be carved out of your life. And the other thing is, I don't think people are as self-aware of where they're at socially. And they, they don't realize that they're not good listeners. They don't realize that they talk too much. Um, they don't realize that they're, you know, they don't make a great first impression, you know. Uh, so, so people need to, they still need to grow uh, you know, all of us have our ticks. You know what I mean. So, so, so people need to grow in their self awareness uh, because small group is different than coming to church and and singing worship songs and listening to a sermon. Because now you're participating, you're interacting. There, you you have you have skin in the game or in the process now uh, that is a determining factor in your experience. Not so much in a weekend service. So, Andrew, I'm coming to your small group tonight, whether you like it or not. <laughs> uh, what exactly am I going to experience? I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that you have a healthy small group because you're modeling it for the entire church. Right. But what am I going to experience um, when, I come, when I show up at your doorstep at 6.30 or 7, whenever you're having it? Yeah. No, my goal is always Acts 2.42. That's my goal. So we're, you're, you're going you're gonna to come into our house. 
uh, will have, will have just, you'll probably knock on the door and hear one of my, my kids, you know, I'm telling one of my kids, Hey, don't answer that door. Don't, don't open that door. <laughs> but, but then they will answer the door with a smile and, and we're going to have some, some food out there. Who doesn't love food? You know, we're going to have some food out there. You never know what one of the people in the group are going to bring. There's always some, every now and then we get a surprise. Someone brings, you know, some, a special new dip. Uh, or, or like, I didn't know something could be that good and be gluten free. That's amazing. Um, so, so there's always some, some cool snacks and food going on. Uh, we're going to spend some time in the word and we're going to, we're going to have discussion. And I, I think if I could just go on a small rabbit trail here, I think that's still a huge dynamic. The body of Christ is not aware of is the value of biblical discussion. We know the value of biblical study, personal devotions. We know the value of preaching, but we don't understand the value of biblical discussion. In Jewish culture, when they would eat together and break bread, it was always part of what they would call discussing Torah. Discussing Torah was a big part of Jewish culture where there was this dialogue about what the word meant to us and what that looked in our own lives and, and what were the hindrances to that. And, and so we're going to have interactive discussion. I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher. But I don't talk that much in my small group. I don't preach and teach uh, in large amounts at all. So we're, we're going to have discussion about the word. We're going to have some worship. And we're going we're gonna to pray over what we're learning. We're going to pray for each other's needs. And I guarantee you, you're going to leave feeling built up. I guarantee you, you're going to hear yourself talking about the word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And it's a different dimension when you hear yourself talking about your own faith. You're going to feel prayed for. You're going to feel like there's some spiritual activity happening on your behalf. And one of the things my wife, when my wife and I pray for our small group during the week, one of the things we pray for is uh, we, we pray for Jesus to be there. And that, that's, not, that's not a new prayer, but it always gets our heart focused. I mean, we pray that consistently because in the, in the Gospels, people crowded around Jesus. They wanted to be where Jesus was. And I want people to be in my group and feel like, you know, Jesus was here tonight. So you're going you're gonna to have some food. You're going to have some fellowship. We're going to spend some time in the Word. We're going to spend some time in worship and prayer. And um, unless, unless uh, revival is just breaking out, out of control, we're going to try to do it all in less than, you know, between 90 minutes and two hours. So you can go back home uh, and get some sleep for the night. I want to go back to uh, the biblical discussion that you mentioned. You know, biblical illiteracy is, an, is, is really at an all-time high uh, in the body of Christ. Um, do you think people are comfortable having these discussions? Do you get a lot of questions? You said that you facilitated this discussion. Um, what's your experience uh, with folks that maybe maybe they don't read their Bibles like we read our Bibles. Um, maybe they haven't been to Bible school. What's been your experience with that and your journey with people as uh, they really discover the Bible? Yeah, well, when I do workshops, one of the questions I always get from pastors who are considering small groups, they always say, well, what happens when there's, there's uh, people saying wrong things about Scripture? What happens when there's heresy in <laughs> a small group and as if this is going to be the first time this has ever happened right. in church history. And, and um, no, I, I think the reality is, is, is people need an opportunity to process this stuff. And many times they're going to process it wrong on the front end. 
And the question is, do we trust God enough and do we trust his word enough to allow people to walk through that process? Now, obviously, if someone with an incorrect view of Scripture becomes a key influencer in a group, obviously that becomes a problem. That is not the majority, that is not happening the majority of the time. Most of the time when people are talking with an incorrect view of Scripture, they're, they're, they're in a group with, with people who are not being influenced by that, and that needs to be a place of grace. It needs to be an opportunity to listen to them and for them to hear other people talk about their faith in a biblical manner. And so um, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question right. No, that's I don't know good. if I got off on a tangent there. But um, yeah, I, obviously there's biblical. I had a guy, this, was, this, is, this is discipleship to me. I had a guy, he'd gotten saved in his 50s at my last church. And he came to a group. We were, our study was the Gospel of John study. So we're in John chapter 1. And, and we, we, we go through the whole, you know, 35, 40-minute discussion, you know, and he goes, can I just ask a question? He, he goes, what, what verses were you reading again? And I, I read him. He goes, yeah, my Bible says something different. And I go, oh, man, do you, do you got, you know, New American Standard? Oh, you must have the message translation because that sounds totally different. He goes, no, 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 I, I got the same translation you're using. And, and I look at his Bible. He's in 1 John. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, well, you mean there's another John? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, there's a gospel of John. This is one of his epistles. I'm sorry, that might not sound like a big deal to people. That's discipleship, friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this guy found the Gospel of John. He knows the difference between 1 John and the Gospel of John. Now, he'd been in our church for probably uh, two or three years. Yeah, I remember. I mean, you mentioned that, but I remember uh, that's like one of the first things uh, that I did as a new believer, a new Christian. And, uh, you know, remember in that, those 66 books, man, you just felt like a million bucks, you know, like, Hey, I know where, you know, Habakkuk is, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I would just to follow up on that point of the biblical literacy. I, I do think, you know, if you're, if you're new at this, I, I've been doing this for, for years and I still use plug and play curriculum, having some curriculum, um, that gives you some direction, whether, you know, it be video driven in a study guide, having some curriculum is going to help keep your group on a track and, um, and and try to save you from some of those tangents that will take you down, you know, unproductive roads. So I want to shift gears a little bit to, we talked about some low expectations here, what we could expect if I went to your small group, but then there's these high expectations or unrealistic expectations that people have of doing life together. You mentioned, you know, finding their best friend or, you know, experiencing the depth of community. And it's almost like there's this ecstasy attached to, you know, what this experience is going to be. And then there's reality. How do you, how have you helped people bust the myths of, um, you know, what community actually is? Because my experience is, and we've been talking about this and touching on it, but not really labeling it, but community can be messy. And it's kind of after the mess that we really experience, you know, what true community is. How, how have you walked with people? How have you helped them um, get to that place of, you know, experiencing the depths of, of Christian community? Yeah, I think that um, I think that is definitely, again, group life has the potential to take us there. 
It has the potential to take us to this deep place of community. But for many people, many, many, many American Christians, the whole group life journey is still something fairly new. Hmm. And so you're not going to get there in even a month. Yeah. You know, it's not going to happen. We have to be pointing people to growth. We have to be pointing people to mission. And I think community is a part of that. And community is a, is a facilitator for, towards that. Um, it's something that undergirds, in a healthy way, it undergirds mission and spiritual formation. And so if I'm starting out with my focus of, uh, you know, I want to be living on mission. I want to be growing as a disciple. I want to be part of making disciples, uh, even if that's just becoming one myself at first. I think that helps us get through those initial stages where we're, there isn't true community because we don't know each other. Um, we might not be healthy. Uh, you know, we, we have a lot of bad habits and a lot of things to learn about each other, a lot of bad habits to get rid of and a lot of things to learn about each other. So I think if we can make community part of our mission, part of the process of making disciples, I, I think it takes that pressure off because community, there, there's no way around it. Community takes time, people. It takes time. I have, when I started here at my church, we were so focused on getting groups launched. Everyone I was talking to, I was trying to get uh, either plugged into a group or trying to get them to lead a group and trying to help them find a group. And then we got to the time where Camille and I started our group and we had like one person in our group. (laughs) Here I am, the small groups pastor, the small group, quote unquote, expert. And I got one person in my group. Um, but you know, now, now we got, you know, our small group, you know, this is two years later, our small group is multiplied. We got eight, 10 people coming every night. Um, our small group is probably going to multiply again in the fall. It's, you just got, it takes time. And so, but we, we're, we're driven by that mission. We're driven by the great commission by discipleship. So we're okay if we're not experiencing community for the first couple months, we're okay with that. How has your small group, your experience, I think this is going to help some people, but how has your small group bled into other areas of your life? You know, um, in in my opinion, small group really just isn't even on a Thursday night at 7 o'clock. You know, it it encompasses our, our entire life. And how have you seen your small group go beyond, you know, your Thursday night group time? I think it's created a, a greater number of spontaneous Christian experiences uh, that compared to if I wasn't in a group. Um, I'm, I'm praying for people more regularly in my own prayer time because I'm aware of people's prayer requests because we're connected in life. Um, I'm serving more often with people that I know the serving isn't isn't just an end unto itself. It's an experience with friends. Um, I'm helping people move their house more. I'm Dude, that is, that is radical. <laughs> Dude, that is commitment right there. You know that. If you help someone in your small group move, that's... <laughs> yes. So, so, so there's so many more opportunities just, be, just from purely being connected on a consistent basis. And I'm just like everybody else, man. I, I get so easily distracted. But that group, um, it keeps me outside of myself to other people on a consistent basis. It keeps me thinking, you know, I multiply my group. I'm like right now, 
honestly, I'll just be honest with you. We, we multiplied our group a while back. And right now I got like seven women and two guys in my group. <laughs> so <laughs> Dude, your little, wife, your wife's doing a great job. Yes, Camille's I doing know. awesome. And so I'm like, cause I've, we've sent some guys out for other groups. And so now I gotta, I gotta find some guys to get my, so now when I'm at church on Sunday, I'm looking for guys to get plugged into my group. That's a healthy thing. What if all of us were going to church looking to get people plugged into my, our group? So the whole process and lifestyle, I just feel keeps me focused on healthy habits and healthy experiences that I probably wouldn't be focused on if I wasn't doing group life. I, I think you gave us some clues there, and I just wanted to point them out. You mentioned uh, uh, you mentioned prayer. You mentioned serving. You mentioned helping. You mentioned this word consistency. All these things uh, require a commitment, or let's say it this way, require sacrifice. Yes. Because we have to be intentional if we're going to experience the depth of community that we want to. It, it can't be a, you know, we can't be consumers in, in a small group uh, environment. We, we have to be willing to give of ourselves and uh, you mentioned some great things here. I just wanted to ask you one last question. And um, if you were, you know, I I believe this word community, it seems to be overused uh, in church world. And in my opinion, we never uh, are able to really define it or put our finger on it. It means a lot of different things, a lot of different people. What's your definition of community and I know we've touched on it throughout this conversation, but if you were to just say, here's my definition of community, what would that be? Yeah, I think, uh, man, there's a, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Um, if I were to try to simplify it, I would say um, sharing in a relational context. Mm, sharing life. Yeah, okay, well, I think, I think you can share without having a relational context. I think I can go out and share something, but there's no relational um, aspects to that experience. I think I can have relational contexts, but there isn't this, this sharing that's happening, this holistic Christian sharing. And so I would say sharing in a relational context, um, and, and it has to be driven by the mission of the kingdom. That's good. You know, because, cause we have, we have community that we have in it. We have, we use that word in secular arenas. So there's no kingdom mission when we talk about community and secular. This is a incubator for the the kingdom oh, to be expanded. I love expanded. that. I love that. An incubator for the expansion of the kingdom. Hey, I want you to take a moment as we wrap things up. Um, where can people connect with you? And uh, you're doing some some great things in NorCal in regards to small groups. Um, if there are small group leaders listening um, that want to get more connected with you, how do they do so? Yeah, I, the, the, my main site is smallgroupchurches.com. As you mentioned, um, I, I try to be active on uh, on Twitter. I'm on there, um, you know, underscore Andrew S. Mason. Um, I, I also, if you're a small group point leader, you know, in, in the NorCal region, we're starting to branch out in Nevada a little bit. I, I help organize some some huddles with the small group network for for point leaders that want to get resources uh, from people that are really closer to them than they probably realize. Um, so very active online, um, a lot of different ways uh, to 
to find me. Um, there is another Andrew Mason out there online. So uh, he's he's killing my Google juice, the guy who created Groupon. So, but if you if you Google Pastor Andrew Mason, a bunch of different stuff will come up. If you put Pastor in there, a bunch of stuff comes up. So, <laughs> well, I encourage uh, those of you listening, uh, reach out to Andrew if you have questions. You can connect with him. Uh, we'll have the different uh, links to his site uh, in the show notes. But Andrew, hey, thanks for being on the Dean's List, and we look forward to having you back. Dean, you are a leadership resource machine, bro. So I, I appreciate you, man. Love you. Appreciate being on here. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Dean's List. Uh, Be sure to find Andrew's info in the show notes. If you haven't visited smallgroupchurches.com, there's a lot of great content and resource on his page. Um, I would also really appreciate if you share this podcast with anyone you know that may may need some encouragement when it comes to the area of getting connected and finding community. Um, It's not the easiest thing to do, yet many times it's the first thing we as pastors, which I'm a pastor, uh, it's the first thing we ask people to do. We ask them, join a small group. And the assumption is your problems will be solved, but eh, that's the wrong answer. Um, It's more like get in a small group and begin to walk out your journey, the good, bad, and the ugly, with people just like you. That's all I have for you today. I look forward to our conversation next month. For more on life and leadership, go to deandeguara.com.